Hey guys, welcome back to Keeping It Simple. This is Luis Sanchez. I'm here with my co-host. Hey, I'm Scott Callantine. Welcome to the episode. Let's get started. Hey, you guys, welcome back to Keeping It Simple. Today, we have our friend Myron Pierce. Uh, we begin to know Myron a little bit more. Myron is in the uh, micro church circles that we have started to engage in in the last couple of years. Welcome, Myron. Um, our uh, podcast focuses on two things, primarily micro expressions of the church and leadership development. And I know you got your hands in both. Before we get started, man, just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're at. Uh, and and how you connect to the world of micro churches? Yeah, man, super thankful to be here with y'all, man. It's an honor, bro, for you to for y'all to invite me. Um, live in Omaha, Nebraska. I get to uh, lead a a church and a small network of of individuals. Been in the church planting world <clears throat> for over a decade now, and uh, I get to coach inner city missionaries and church planters and leaders on all things inner city, as well as um, just coaching, you know, church planters in general. So part of the Christian Missionary Alliance. Have no, been no. For, yeah, yeah, it's, since 2017. So they still trying to figure out what to do with me, but we good. Same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, man, yeah. In fact, actually, that's a pretty good segue because, like, that's kind of how I met you. We didn't actually meet. I don't even know. It was a few years back. We were in Ohio and there was a crew from Omaha. I'm like, Omaha's got Christian Missionary Alliance churches. Like what? It was like a bunch of you guys. You guys were rolling deep and were in on the stage. And I I think you got to share a part of your story. And um, I won't give the story away, but if you could just share a little bit about your story. And I remember I was holding babies. I had like twins. I had like three month old, four month old twins in my hands. And I was like, man, this is impactful. And so, man, just share a little bit about your story, how you got into the church planting world and, and why sharing the message of Jesus matters to you so much. Yeah, man. So I grew up in inner city Omaha, um, grew up in gangs, drugs, violence. Uh, 16, I was facing 100 years in the penitentiary, 18, facing 200 years in the penitentiary. Had a radical encounter with Jesus and set me on a trajectory behind the walls of pursuing his call to to plant churches, man. And that really was my thing. And so a couple of miracles happened between that time and when I was supposed to get out. Eventually, I got out of prison, went to Bible college, got a double major in business and uh, in Bible, and then hooked up with a missionary, inner city missionary white dude from Ames, Iowa, who uh, really had a heart for church planting in the hood, had done a little bit, and uh, linked up with him, man. We planted our first church three months out of the penitentiary, and uh, God did some cool stuff with that. And along the journey, man, I've been planting churches in different parts of, of the America, and from Omaha to Colorado, back to Omaha, um, and, and guys has been doing some cool stuff around that, man. And so that's what we're doing. Um, we have just different expressions of the church that are popping up as a result of, um, really mobilizing, uh, what we would call hope dealers, AKA, uh, disciple makers and missionaries. Uh, just for some like context for our, our listeners, uh, you have an association with the Kansas city underground. We've had a few uh, people from the KC underground. Rob and Brian and just recently Timmy on the podcast. Could you give us a little brief backstory of how did you get associated with KC and as the, this timeline of you know, from the penitentiary and out into church planting? How long ago was that? How long have you been church planting? 
Good question, man. So I met Rob. So I'm a, I'm a, um, an exponential associate. You guys are familiar with exponential mm -hmm. and yes, uh, help out in a few different capacities from leading workshops to learning communities to whatever they asked me to do. But I met Rob Wagner there and it was through that friendship, man, that God really started opening up some stuff with Casey Underground. Now, I got as close as to Exponential as I am now because of Rob, um, because of Ralph Moore. Many of us know who Ralph Moore is, and he's really become a spiritual grandpapa to me. And so the whole idea of micro church really began with me having a conversation with Ralph and looking at his journey and joining what he's doing in ministry and um, really linking up with him, linking arms with him being a mentor and a spiritual father to me. So that has really helped to shape the whole idea of micro church. And then along with that, I hooked up with Stadia and Casey Underground, and we started imagining what would it be like to mobilize leaders in 50 cities across America by creating mission agencies that can help multiply the local church. And so through that, we hooked up. And then along the way, man, we just really felt a kindred spirit between Mission Church, every inner city, and the Casey Underground. And then I stepped on their board probably about 12 months ago to help bring some direction and wisdom to what the Underground is doing in KC. And so a lot of that, man, has sprung this, just these, these multiple conversations across the country around a micro church, which really honestly, man, is an old new conversation mm -hmm. and definitely not new for our brothers and sisters in places like Asia, China, things like that. Yeah, the majority Japan, of the world. Cool. Thanks for kind of clarifying some of that. And I hope that paints a picture for uh, the listeners and for us of just actually how unified we are as, as in this micro church movement yeah. um, and how things are actually just up. did a podcast with Ralph like a week and a half ago. So he had us on, on his podcast. He had me on his podcast. And so I'm looking forward to that coming out. He's an interesting dude, man. He's just got questions kind of like coming out of left field and kind of trying to figure things out. So, um, like a sage. Grandpa what, I, what, sage. I love, what I love about him. Yeah. What I love about him is, you know, you might ask him a question and you're never going to get like a straight answer like me or you would give, give, he would always like take a, tell a story. So I don't know if right. he's following that Jesus thing or what, like you <laughs> yeah. ask him a question. He's just tell stories about the question. So. And then he tells, and then he, he does names. Like you actually know the people, like, I don't know who you're talking about. Like, <laughs> naming all these people. I don't know these people. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. this season on keeping it simple uh, we are trying to focus on the nuts and bolts of simple churches micro church that kind of thing we want to spend some time talking today about impact see a lot of churches or maybe networks uh, maybe more traditional predominant model churches may not have impact or how much impact are they really having so as we talk about this idea of impact, I know you have a lot to kind of say on the matter. So I want to punt to you. What is impact? What is it not? What do you what do you have to say? Yeah, so that's not a great question. Um, I know many of our listeners, you two are familiar with what we teach at Exponential about um, level five, the mm -hmm. level one being, you know, the whole becoming a level five leader or church is really behind multiplication, but we've been able to lay out, you know, a level one church or leader is someone who's, you know, they're losing, they're losing ground, right? They're, 
Um, they're not, they're declining in every way. Level two is, you know, they're plateauing. They're not growing. They're not losing. They're just drifting, right? Level three is addition, where most of our metrics, we find ourselves laboring around, you know, how much money's coming in, how many, you know, people are showing up to our thing, to our weekend event, you know, level four is reproducing, right? It's like, be fruitful, the whole idea of being a church planting church or a reproducing leader. And then level five is multiplication. It's where it's a decentralized movement of third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10 generations of and, and beyond of, of multiplication. And I think I bring that up because I see you can use that same scale for impact. You know, many churches are losing impact. They, they, they're, they're apathetic when it comes to impact. Level two, right? They're, they're not just doing anything. They, you know, they may do a Christmas and Easter extravaganza, right? And level three impact, they may be doing, they're doing some good. They're, they're, they're not making waves, but they're getting, but they're moving the ball in some capacity. And level four impact, I would say, is the, the, the metrics begin to change. The metrics have, have changed from how many are coming to how many are going. I think there are three systems of the church. You know, there's the um, tending, then there's the extending, and there's the, then there's the sending. And a lot of churches, when we talk about impact, we want to quantify that first system of tending by how many house visits did we make or how many, you know, maybe we gave some benevolence or, but that extending piece is really what matters. And it, it, was, it was, I had this revelation, man, about, you know, because there are mega churches across the country and we don't, we don't put any mega church on indictment. But I think it's very easy to, um, to look at impact in terms of how many people, like, for instance, if you got a, a thousand member church, it's easy to have a thousand member church, but the community not even know who the church is. You know what I'm saying? But when we start to lean into that extending system of church and realize that, especially in a, in a, we're in the middle of COVID still, new variant has popped up. Um, there's the escalation of race in America, and then there's politics. I call that, I call that like this, uh, the American 666, you know? And, and, so, and so what's, pro what's problematic about that is that when, when we don't navigate that type of false trinity, then we end up de-escalating our impact. And then we end up not making a difference. Impact, like when you think about impact, we, impact has to be synonymous with being a missionary. Say that again, man. Yeah, so from a digital marketing perspective, I'm a, I'm a marketer. Um, in, the, in, in, in digital marketing, there's a little word called influencer. Right. Right. You have micro influencers, people, companies use influencers to grow their bottom line. You have to think of impact as being an influencer. Mm -hmm. Because and I have to see the idea of being an influencer synonymous with being a missionary. So now all of a sudden, everything that John Maxwell has taught us over the last X amount of years, that if leadership really is influenced, then maybe us as church leaders aren't the leaders that we say that we are if we can't see the metrics in the impact. Because we know that you can't, people say, you know, you, you, you can get a church from 
making a disciple, but you can't get a disciple from just starting a church. It's the same way with influence. The, the spiritual sensitivity and, 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 and spiritual trees never grow if our influencer metric isn't taking a priority. And for us in the inner city, it becomes like, like because poverty is so flagrant and crime is so flagrant, it gives us the platform we need to influence outside of our Sunday morning gathering. And I say this all the time, and it needs to change, guys. The way we're training leaders traditionally, we're setting them up to be glorified event planners instead of practitioners mm. who are at a grassroots level being missionaries in their neighborhood where they live, work, and play. You know what I'm saying? It sounds like, man, like influence and impact go hand in hand. And if you're not being, a, if you're not influencing on a grassroots kind of day-to-day level um, and your neighbors don't really know who you are, you're, you know, they don't know what you do, they're, they've not been touched by your loving kindness, then the question is like, what are you really doing? Yeah, because, because impact precedes influence. Show me a church that that has no influence, and I'll show you a church that hasn't been making an impact. The church is, but and we talk about, and we stole this from Rob and and, and the boys over there. It's like you know, it, it's it's not a building, right? It's a people, right? And and churches, and so a group of people, if they're not having, if I'm hearing you correctly, if, if they're not having an impact in their neighborhood, then. Um, they're, they're, they're probably not doing the thing that Jesus has called them to do um, um, anyway, right? I'll put yeah. it this way. Put yeah, it this way. Ahead. Somebody once said, um, the measure of success of a church, and you probably heard this and our listeners probably heard this too, is whether or not if a church were to shut its doors and a church were to move away, like if that community would miss it or would they rejoice? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so the measure of success for a church is like, would the community that that church existed miss that group of people if those people up and left or would they rejoice? And I flipped that I actually preached a message like this summer. And I said, as a neighbor, bringing it down to the grassroots level. Right. Would your neighbors miss you if you moved away from your community or would they be happy and rejoice? What kind of Christian, what kind of disciple are you in your own mm-hmm. context? Mm-hmm. What kind of impact are you having there? Um, and so that's exactly what we want to talk about, right? It's like, man, yeah. you guys are doing some really cool stuff in North Omaha. Tell us about the stuff that you guys are doing, kind of boots on the ground stuff. I think I think you guys have called the Shift Omaha. Tell us a little bit about what you guys have been doing. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so when it comes to, you know, the whole idea of impact, there's there. So like one of the, one of the precursors is this, is that we have to measure impact based on the values of the community and, and not the goals that we set for them. Right. Cause, cause I can you be gotta exegete the community to know what the community needs and how the people of God can help fill those gaps. 
and yes, then exactly. that's impact. Exactly. Success is always contingent on the pulse of the community. What what is the community like? What does the community? And so one thing that we know that's very, you know, you know, is very prevalent is mass incarceration, which mass incarceration is a justice issue. It's a biblical justice issue, right? The way that we treat the prisoner. Hebrews, the, the Hebrew writer says, remember as if you were chained with them, those who are behind the wall. Jesus said, when you, when you, when you feed me or don't feed me, you're feeding a prisoner. Like biblical precedents for exegeting that type of culture. And so what we said, I myself being a former, number one, let's get behind the wall. Before COVID, man, we, we, were, we were planting micro churches behind the wall, right? And so, and, we, and, we're, and we're back in now. Now we're mobilizing people behind the wall, but we said this, there needs, because there's a ma- massive mass incarceration, there needs to be a massive entrance back into the community where people feel safe, right? And so now we've said, man, let's partner with churches to build and renovate homes that people can transition into um, and really focus on their disciple-making journey. And so it's a beautiful, and, and the, the caveat to that is, you know, churches that partner with us, they'll buy the home, renovate it, and then give it, and then donate it to our church. Caveat to that is that now the local church is participating in changing the economic landscape. Tell me the last time a church said, hey, let's get involved in economics and transform the way that, that, the, that, the, 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 that money is flowing out and keep it in. And so now we're, we're you know, from a holistic perspective, we're an inner city church with no debt and we're building revenue that helps us build, build our bottom line so that we can make more of an impact. And now we're working on our second house. And so the cool thing is now these guys are now starting to transition back into society, many of which are now part of what we're doing. And now we're raising them up. Uh, I'll give you a story. One of my friends, um, you know, we grew up together. We were from two different parts of the city, inner city guys. Um, He was a gang. I was a gangbanger. He was a pimp, like a real pimp, not a fake pimp, but a real one. We both ended up going doing time. He got 10 years uh, you got a 10 year sentence, just got out a couple of years ago. We reconnected, started discipling this guy and uh, he jumped into one of our hope houses, got married. And then now he's serving in one of our other uh, missional, uh, in, you know, one of our other missional initiatives, which is called Shift Omaha, of which he went through Shift Omaha. It's a 16 week entrepreneurial mindset training to help people shift the way that they think entrepreneurially from not just learning how to fish, not just eating fish, but actually owning a pond. So anyway, he went through Shift Omaha and now um, he's a recruiter um, for our for our Shift Omaha, utilizing those talents. He's remixing the talents. He's making disciples. Um, He has a small business and now he's starting to pray and discern what's his missional impulse, what's God leading him into yeah. when we talk about living as a missionary. So those are, those are two, um, stop me whenever you want for questions, no, no. but those are Keep two going. specific impact approaches we're having right now. We have a couple, couple more that we can talk about in a little bit, but, and, it, and it's the, the shift Omaha has been super cool, man. So we, we launched that 2000 and, 
19 and to date over 30, 30 different um, entrepreneurs, man, and many of which have found faith in Christ um, and are being discipled. And, and uh, it's just cool because I've been saying, if you want to stop a bullet, help a person start a business. <laughs> um, and I call Shift Omaha an urban apologetic. You know, the biggest public display of affection was when Jesus died on the cross. And one of the biggest public dis displays of affection to our community is when we help somebody start a business. That's agape. I mean, you're really, you're really talking about, Myron, you're talking about really changing a landscape of not just a community, but you're changing the base level on the base level, these families, right? Like people's lives and livelihoods and say, Hey, well, Jesus loves you, not just to keep you from hell, but Jesus loves you holistically, right? Jesus to, to change your life, to now. change your entire life. Yeah. So Jesus, like when we follow Jesus, we don't follow Jesus to add something to our life. He adds life to the life we're already living. Right. And so and so that's what you guys are doing, partnering with Jesus, the spirit, his people to come alongside folks and say, hey, let's add life to the life that you're already living, you know, economic life, you know, um, and, and, and so on and so forth. I'd be interested to hear what some of those businesses are that, that yeah. some people have started. Hey, and you know what? You're, you're on to something. I, I think if most if average if ordinary Christians would see missions through the paradigm of Maslow, we can make more of an impact. Mm. Just, break just, that down for break that down for us, because I don't know. You know, what I'm saying business degrees and Maslow. Like, what's so, Maslow? Simplify. Well, so you you've heard about you've heard about Maslow's motivational model, right? At the base level, every single person has physiological needs. And the church like has been has been known for that. The church has been known for meeting needs. The church has been known for charity. But mo like for the most part, the church never goes beyond charity. But in, in Maslow's, you know, in, in his model, he said, OK, after someone physiologically has their need met, then there's the safety piece. It's like employment resources. Like, can you imagine a church saying we're going to we're going to build an employment opportunity. That's what we did when we launched our church in 2012. We, we launched, you know, um, employment development opportunities, right? And then Maslow says, hey, go into loving and belonging. That's a, that's a beautiful part of friendship. And we see Jesus doing that, don't we? Like when it says that he's a friend to sinners, right? And then esteem is that next year where it's like self-respect and recognition and strength. Can you, can you imagine the church re-esteeming our community and then at the top at the top is self-actualization which which just hit me shift omaha is a self-actualization track but it's a it's it's a it's a it's a missional way to think about it and i, I maybe even would encourage our, our listeners take maslow's hierarchy of needs and treat it like a strategic plan mm -hmm. and turn that strategic plan into an impact map for the next year, I promise you, you have so many disciples, so many missionaries, so many simple churches popping up just because we decided to practically, you know, and so for Shift Omaha at that self-actualization level, um, we have people who have started trucking companies, e-commerce companies, um, catering, hauling, um, ther <laughs> ther therapists, 
um, marketing, um, landscaping, childcare, daycare, literacy centers. Um, I mean, I just go on and on mm-hmm. like the amount of uh, power and, and, and the crazy and the crazy part about what you're saying is a lot of these people have chosen to also enter into self-actualization kind of rhythms and, and opportunities for the rest of the community. And so because that's what they seen, you know, they're in God given compassion. Many of those people have gone into those tracks as well, it seems like. Yeah. Other yeah. places to help others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got I got a question for you, Myron. Uh, with the shift Omaha, so this is just a two parter. What is your dreams or visions in the next three to five years? You, you know, we have there's a lot of things in life, and, and I'll say here in the American culture that could change or get increased, more polarization. But in the next three to five years, what is your vision or dream for shift? And then how does the microchurch expression how does that fit into shift and what you guys are trying to do? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So three to five years from now, number one, the goal of shifting North Omaha, shifting 10% of North Omaha to an entrepreneurial mindset, ages 18 to 45, that's about 2,500 people. And so we're, we're looking to scale up what we're doing, launch some more local chapters. But then secondly, uh, we have three to five cities that are on our radar, uh, Kansas City, St. Louis, um, Tampa, a uh, couple cities on the East Coast, uh, and then uh, Texas, Houston, Texas. And so we're, we're looking at um, launching, um, launching these shifts there um, to help kind of accelerate every inner city because the bigger goal for us above shift is to saturate every inner city with diverse hope field missionaries and churches right and entry and entry ways into those type of spiritual families are often models like shift uh how like at currently with uh, how things have gone and whatnot what is the percentage maybe of the people who enter into shift that then uh enter into an extended spiritual family through the micro church yeah, so um, many, I don't know, maybe it's a great question. I don't, I don't know that I had a percentage other than it, it, we're at least 30 to 40%, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then if they have yet to enter into a spiritual family, there's a next step in shift called our, our, um, our generate networking. So we built a networking ecosystem where we can essentially help like allow people to be a part of a family. It's really like a, um, it's actually a spiritual family, our networking group. I don't tell them that, right. I I love that about you, that there's like stuff that you reveal and stuff that you've got like, Hey, I'm just doing this other thing. I love that. Yeah, it really, it really is on a a need to know basis. Yeah, exactly. You know, I I lead a, I lead another micro church apart from the church that I lead. Um, and yeah, they, it's, it's, our, it, it's our, we're our, we're the church. And so I just don't tell them, you know, <laughs> um, when they bring it up, when they bring it up, then I'll bring it up. So one of my guys, you know, um, he's like, yeah, man, God's calling me. God's calling me to, to step out and grow up and step into what he's, 
and, 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 you know, and then, then I'll reveal, well, actually I've been developing you for the last six to eight months. I, you know what I mean? It's like, um, as the commitment grows, the reality of what they've committed to, I expose them to. When we were in Kansas city last, I think, um, I forget, I forget the name of the kid that you brought with. And I think he just got his first kid also, but he went through your program. He has his own business now. He was super excited. And at one point you were like, um, he, I think he had this aha moment while you were presenting, you know, you were laying out your, uh, you know, five part plan to make disciples through business or whatever. And he's like, someone asked him, he was like, did you know you were going through this when you were going through this? He's like, absolutely not. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever seen these graphs and graphics. <laughs> like, absolutely not. I was like, and, 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 and it wasn't like at that moment, he was like, I'm out. He said yeah. at that moment, he was like, man, I, I appreciate this. And he was like in his element, you know? Yeah, man. Love yeah. That. It's been fun. Love that. Love that, man. So, yeah. So, so this season, we have been talking about um, again the nuts and bolts, and and we actually have a couple of conversations this this season uh, coming up on um, bivocational living. It, it kind of, I mean, it seems like your life just overlaps with a bunch of different stuff, right? So <laughs> so so like a church planter, you're an entrepreneur, you're a marketer, you're training other people, other yeah, you're in different spaces. But really, I think what you're trying to do, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you're a tent maker, right? In, in this season of your life, you are both an apostolic leader and a leader that's tent making at the same time. And that's one of the realities for people in the micro church world and in the simple church world is that most people won't draw a paycheck from a church, that most people uh, will be lay people, and maybe some folks will draw a somewhat of a, a paycheck or a stipend or something like that. Tell us about your side hustles and the need for that, and then what your experience has been in the co-vocational space. Yeah, I, I would like to say this, first off, there are some paradigms that I think need to shift as we talk about this. For example, one being that people will often prior would say, well, my first calling is to be a church leader or to be a church planter. And then they'll put their side hustle up under that as a secondary deal. And what's, what's not helpful about that paradigm is that I miss the fact that I'm a missionary. But when I when I compartmentalize who I am and what I do, then I miss that that like to God, like God could really care less if you're if you're an apostle or like he just wants us to love. But sometimes like I don't mean he don't he doesn't care less, but you know what I mean? It's like on a scale of he doesn't care about our titles. But how I like to see us is that we are all that all under the umbrella of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And then I get to steward responsibility from God on these different platforms, right? And, and, and so what I oftentimes run into, well, this could be helpful for a, a micro church leader, is, you know, when Jesus talked about the parable of the one, the two, and the five talents, and sometimes a one-talent person might frown on the two-talent person because they're like, you're doing too much. Too much to a one-talent person will always be too, uh, 
too much for a one when you think about a two a two talent person will always be overwhelming for a one talent person right. because the issue is capacity mm -hmm. right and so when we talk about micro church and i use the word side hustle side hustle pastor.com you can go to it right now let's go um I, I, I like to say, like, the whole idea of, of funding what God has called you to and putting food on your family's table, because what oftentimes gets sacrificed in the name of ministry is family. And if our families aren't fully funded, not just for this life, but for 200 years later, we've done ourselves a disservice. Let me say that one more time. If I'm if I'm building micro churches, but not that will multiply 200 years out, why wouldn't I be building an inheritance 200 years from now for my family, right? And so I always, as I say, this model is perfectly built to think about our family and, and the future of God's church when we talk about legacy, you feel me? And so for me, when when I when we like when we think about um, micro church and and becoming a side hustle leader or a side hustle micro church leader, the thing that I like to, to think about is like the church, even prevailing church, is an incubator for innovation. So when we like when we when I when I brought on team members, and I told a young lady, hey. I'm, I'm, my company is going to pay you. My digital marketing company is going to pay you to manage our social media, you know, for our church. And I'm going to train you. Little did I know that she would grow as a creative, take up, you know, designing, you know, brand work, take up photography. And now she's her, she is she has her own company, but she's also leading in our church. And that's the beautiful thing about it. When you talk about, you know, how to win or how should I start or what should I start or what should I do? It's like, I always look at the intersection of somebody's pain and then my passion to solve it. And between the passion and the pain is a product or a service that can then become a billboard for the good news of Jesus, man. You know what I'm saying? And I think we just need to rediscover the fact that you're not this or that. You're you're a child of God who have who, who have been entrusted with, you know, um gifts. I still a couple of years ago it was I came outside and it was a uh, it was a it, money was falling from the sky. I don't know if you ever you guys ever seen money fall from the sky, but it's like something off the prices, right? You know. And I called my homeboy and I was like, yo, man, money falling from the sky. He like, what in the world are you talking about? I said, man, it's, it's a hailstorm right now. We need to start a roofing company, right? And my premise behind it, man, was like, I'm scared of heights, <laughs> but people, people, you know, people's roofs are in danger. But my motivation, my passion behind it was we could make a boatload of money and then tithe on the profit so that we can do more with what God has called us, called us to do in the inner city, right? And, and so a lot of times, if you're if you're a pastor leader, microchurch leader, we have to have the ability to to like to see, like to imagine a better future for people who are in pain. 
And so when we think about that from a co-vocational or a side hustle pastor model, it becomes like, um, like a world of opportunity that got, that opens up for us. I love that. And I, I actually love the terminology co-vocational rather than bivocational by just meaning two and co like there's a, like a meshing point between them, like the jobs, the careers, whatever you're doing, they work together. And that's what you're saying. Like our whole life, it's a holistic approach to being a missionary, being a disciple maker, being a hope dealer. I love that. As we are landing the plane here, thank you again for taking the time to have a conversation with us. I know our listeners will enjoy this. Do you have any parting words for us, whether it be on the shift and the entrepreneurial side of things, or just uh, being a disciple maker and a hope dealer here in, in our context? Any last words for our listeners? Yeah, I think now more than ever, my friend Daniel Yang talks about this a little bit, that the new wave of what it means to be the church um, will be a lot more cause-driven than come-driven. Hmm. And, and so the question then becomes, as leaders, um, I think our greatest task and responsibility is um, we need to go from church planters to church facilitators. That, that we're actually tasked with the responsibility of facilitating what the spirit is doing in us, in, the, in those that we lead, and those that have yet to be reached. And with that, God will open up a, a, a really big door. And I, I think this is a, we're at a, a point where there's a lot of conversation around microchurch. There's a lot of conversation around co-vocation. And, and, and we're coming at like this cross-section of movement where like, although it seems like the worst, the worst of time is actually the best of time um, because this is where disruption happens. And a lot of businesses, um, what COVID did, COVID accelerated the world by 30 years. It, it dis we got disrupted. And because we got disrupted, I think it's an invitation from God for us to continue to disrupt, disrupt hell um, so we can overpopulate heaven. I love it. Love it. Hey, man, thanks so much for being on the show today, man. If people wanted to hear a little bit more about you, a little bit more about your side hustles, a little bit more about the work that you guys are doing in Omaha, how could they reach you? How could they hear more about your work? Uh, where can we go? Yeah, go to MyronPierce.com. MyronPierce.com. Everything's there. Everything Myron is at MyronPierce.com. <laughs> Love it, man. We hope you have a good holiday with your family, dude. Keep doing great work. We hope to have you back on the show sometime in the future to kind of hear more about these works that are happening uh, potentially in Tampa and in Texas, in Kansas City and all those. We pray blessing on you guys and the work in your hands and, and, and pray that the Lord would release all the resources that you guys need in order to make happen what he's put on your guys' heart. God bless you, man. Keep up the good work, man. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Keeping It Simple, where we talk about life and mission in ways that are easy to understand. Stay tuned as we release episodes each Wednesday. We'd appreciate it if you would like, review, share, and subscribe our podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.